Pastor Jeremy said, I have the opportunity to come and open up God's Word with you this morning. And uh, we have the opportunity after the second service uh, to be able to celebrate and uh, what God has done in people's lives over the past weeks and months as we get the opportunity to celebrate with them in baptism and their families in baptisms. And so we invite you to come back. As Pastor Jeremy said, it might be a little bit uh, earlier than normal. Uh, as somebody once told me, as a wise pastor friend told me, he said, look, nobody ever complains if you get out of church early, right? So, uh, you know, just I'll, I'll rag on myself a little bit sometimes. Chad's giving me a thumbs up. I appreciate that, Chad. Uh, so this morning, we're going to conclude the series that we've been walking through over the past few weeks called The Bible. Pastor Jeremy has done an excellent job of kind of walking us through uh, how we got our scriptures uh, how uh, the, the, some of those that were the writers of the scriptures, how it was uh, put all together, talking about how we just have so much evidence of that we actually have the scripture that is true and uh, all the fragments and all the different things and how we have so many pieces of uh, or more fragments than actually people would say than pieces of literature that we many uh, of our English teachers would say, hey, this is something that you should definitely read and check out. But there are so many more evidences of Scripture and where all of that came from. And so today what I want to do is, and what he asked me to do, is kind of come in and uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a very practical person. Uh, I like to kind of give people practical tips, pr uh, practical things to help you, encourage you, to strengthen you, uh, to be able to uh, help you grow in your walk with the Lord. And so today, that's what we're going to do. We're going to have the opportunity to just talk through kind of what the Bible is and how we can grow in godliness. Now, I know you're thinking, like, what are we talking about? We'll get there, okay? So if you have your scripture, if you have your Bible, you can open up to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, you can flip there on your phone or your uh, device or whatever you got. We'll also have it up here on the screen in just a moment. But uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4 uh, is where we're going to be, but just kind of to let us get some context of what all is going on in 1 Timothy and what all 1 Timothy is about. As you guessed, and many of you probably think like, oh, there's a 1 Timothy, there's got to be a second, and you're right, okay? So there's two letters that Paul wrote uh, the Apostle Paul, who we talked about just a few weeks ago, uh, he wrote to a young pastor, a young man who was uh, a protege of Paul's. He was somebody that uh, Paul had poured a lot into, and he had left Timothy to be in charge of the church in Ephesus. So Ephesus uh, is uh, Ephesians in, in our Bibles. Uh, that's a letter that Paul wrote to the, that church, uh, and that is the church that Timothy is leading. And so what he is trying to do in this, these two letters is try to encourage Timothy to help Timothy kind of set things up for the church. Uh, hey, this is how things kind of get organized. These are some things you need to watch out for. And he's writing this specifically to Timothy, but I think there's so much that applies to us and is useful for us this morning as well. And so hopefully you've had that opportunity to get there. And we are going to start in 1 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse Number six, Paul writes these words. He says, if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you are being a good servant of Christ Jesus. Now, we jumped into the middle, right? And you're like, what, what things are we talking about? Okay, so 
Timothy has been talking about some teachings, some teachings to watch out for, some kind of things that people are trying to come in and, and kind of twist some scriptures. And so he says, look, point these things out to people. Be wise. Help them understand that that is not the truth. Point them to Jesus. Point them to the scriptures and the things that I've told you. And so he says, point these things out to the brothers and sisters, and you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. And then he goes on. I love this. He says, nourished by the words of the faith and the good teaching that you have followed. Now, we know what nourished means, right? We know that, that that's, he's saying like, hey, look, you have been nourished. It's not just like you're nourishing on. He says you have been nourished. You have, you have got that energy. You have been, uh, been full of what I have given to you. Nourished by the words of faith and the good teachings that you have followed. He's talking about the scriptures here. But he goes on. In verse 7 he says, But have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Again, referring back to what was there. But rather, train yourselves in godliness. For the training of the body has limited benefit. But godliness is beneficial in every way. Since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and de deserves full acceptance. For this reason, we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to celebrate later on today these that have put their faith and trust in you are coming to, uh, to, to proclaim that and, and before everybody as they in baptism. And Father, we just ask that today that you will just continue to speak to our hearts and minds. We ask that you will open up your word to us and reveal yourself to us. We ask that you will help us to leave different than we came. And Father, I ask that you will make me less, that you might be more. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Growing in godliness. I want to back up here for just one second. He says in verse 7, he says, Rather train yourselves, train yourself in godliness. If you have your Bible, if you want to underline that, that's kind of the focal point. That's where we're going to kind of stick to it today. That idea of growing in godliness, of training ourselves in godliness. And godliness can be a little bit confusing. It can be one of those things that can be uh, like, what does that mean? Or like, are we becoming gods? No. Okay. We're not. We're not going to become gods one day. But what does that actually mean? And so I want us to understand, I want us to have this framework of godliness. Godliness means conforming to the character of God in your thoughts, feelings, desires, and actions. So really what we're talking about here is we are conforming our character, who we are, everything that the things that we think about, the things that we do, our desires, the things that we desire out of life, all those things being conformed to Christ and growing in him. And so as we think about these things, as we embrace these things, as we investigate these things this morning. I want to point out to us three truths from this passage of Scripture that are going to help us to, to really grow in godliness. The thing that Paul writes Timothy is, is, is encouraging him. He's saying, hey, look, you need to grow in godliness. And he's not just telling Timothy, he's telling me, he's telling you this morning that he wants us all to do the same thing. So three truths I want to see 
us to see this morning. The first truth is this, and hopefully you got one of the outlines on the way in. I, I, uh, uh, but the first one is this, is that we must train ourselves to grow in godliness. We must train ourselves to grow in godliness. Again, backing up to verse 7 and 8, it says, train yourselves in godliness. He didn't say, hey, it's going to happen by accident. Like, it's, like you got to put in the training. Train yourselves Train yourself in godliness, for the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. You see, in order for us to be godly and allow the character of Christ to influence all the parts of our lives, we have to train ourselves. We have to put in the training. And we train for all kinds of different things, right? Think about all the things that we've trained for over our lives, whether it's a job, whether we've trained for some hobby or um, some, uh, something that we feel very passionate about, whether it's a musical instrument or a, a sport or, or something like that. We train and we put a lot of practice into those things and put a lot of effort into those things because we want to become better in those things. But the truth is, is that we are to not just train in all those things. We are also to train to be godly. We're to train to take on the character of God and let God be evident to other people, not for our benefit, not so I can stand up here and go, oh, man, I'm so much better than you, because I'm not. So that we can point, to, point people to the one who is the Savior. Point to the one who is able to create something new out of their lives. You see, we have to train ourselves in godliness. For the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way. One of the things that I've learned as I've gotten a little bit older, and I know I'm still probably younger than some of you, and you're like, Adam, you're way young. That's fine. But one of the things I've learned as I've gotten older is it, it you know, life starts to slow you down a little bit. One of the, you know, I get a lot more sore about different things, and some mornings I wake up and I'm like, I'm sore, and why am I sore? It's because I slept, right? It's like, if you've not gotten there yet, you're going to get there, okay? You're going to wake up one morning, and you're like, why am I sore? Why is my hip sore? Why is my shoulder sore? You slept. That's it. You did nothing else. It happens. The body has, training of the body has limited benefit. You see, the thing is, is that the training, all the things that we do, while we think it's going to be really good for us, while we think it's going to really benefit us in so many different ways, the harsh reality is, is that our bodies are slowly getting older and older and wearing out because we are not meant for here, for eternity. We're meant for an eternal home. And if we have that picture, if we see that, then we realize that... You, I'm not saying don't exercise or anything, okay? Don't hear me like, <laughs> Stephen, no, all right, he's the doctor here. He's going to say, no, you should exercise. You should exercise and take care of yourself. Don't neglect your health. But we have to realize that while there is limited benefit in that, there is so much great benefit in training ourselves to be godly. I heard the story years ago about, uh, it, it was from James Dobson. Uh, and some of you guys know who James Dobson is. But he was, this was back when he was in college. He told a story about when he was in college and he was a tennis player and he had the aspiration that he was going to get his, because uh, they had this trophy and they put all the best tennis players uh, of the year on that trophy. And so he thought to himself, I'm going to be, my name is going to be on that trophy. 
And so he worked really hard, and he did all the training, and he uh, played all the matches. And for two years, in 56 and 58, he got his name on that trophy. And he felt a lot of pride because every time he could walk by the trophy case, there was the trophy, and there was his name. Well, a few years, he tells a story that a few years later, he was getting honored at the college, and so he thought to himself, I'll walk by the trophy case. And when he walked by the trophy case, his trophy wasn't there any longer. And as he's walking around campus, as, a, as the story that he tells says, he walked by the campus and he sees a trophy sitting in a garbage can. And he pulls it out, and there's his name. You see, the thing is, is the training, all the things that we put into at some point is discarded. But the one thing, the one thing that will never fail us, the one thing that will never be discarded is to grow in godliness. Paul writes these words in 1 Corinthians. He says, Don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize. Now everyone who competes in the exercises self-control in everything, they do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. You see, the crown that we are going to pursue, if we are going to pursue godliness, is one that will benefit us, not just in this life, but in the life to come as well. You see, we are not going to become good Christians by accident. Okay, it doesn't happen by accident. It's not like you wake up and oh man, I got godly care. It doesn't happen that way. Wish it did, Mark. It doesn't, okay? <laughs> it doesn't happen that way. We have to put in that work. It leads us to the second point that I want us to see this morning is that growing in godliness is ongoing work. It's ongoing work. It's something that you have to work for. Back in our passage in 1 Timothy 4, verse 10, he says, For this reason, labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God. For this reason, we labor and strive. We work for it. It is something that is worthwhile pursuing. Growing in godliness is an ongoing work. But it's not something that we finish. Okay, It's not, it's not like we ever get to the finish line. One of the things that I think is such a great mistake is that somebody puts their faith in Jesus and they begin that relationship with him and then they come before the church just like we're going to be able to celebrate this afternoon and, and baptism and we think, all right, they did it. But I'm here to tell you that's not the finish line. That is the starting line. And from that point forward, we are to continue to grow. We are continue to pursue after Him. And we need to understand that. We have to understand that from that point forward, a Christian's life should be marked by striving to become more and more like Christ. It's an ongoing task that takes years of work and something that we must continually pursue and something that you will never complete here on this earth. Growing in godliness is an ongoing task work. When Paul was writing to the Philippian church, he, he's talking to them about different things, and he says this, he's talking about going after Christ and, and being fulfilled in Him. He says, not that I've already reached the goal or I'm already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it. I'm going to pursue it. Not that I'm perfect, but I'm going to make every effort to go after it because I have also been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. 
Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. You see, we have to understand that we can't rely on yesterday's wins. We have to continually pursue after him. We have to keep working. One of the things that, uh, as I was preparing this message, uh, some, some of you guys know, and I've talked about this uh, from different times before, that I, I've, I've been a runner before, and I like to run. I, it's one of the things that I, that's one of the ways I kind of relax. I know you're thinking, how do you relax running? But I do. Okay, it's, it's, it's able to happen. Uh, but it's, it's just one of those things that I'm able to do and, and enjoy. And it's, it's, but while I've had a lot of running in my past, and I've run a lot of different races from different distances in the past, it's one of the things that I haven't done over the past probably six months or more is that I haven't run much, and so I've kind of taken a lot of time off. And this past week, I met some friends, and we were going to go running, and so we met really early, and we ran down this road out here, and uh, I made the three miles, but it was tough. <laughs> it was really, really tough. And one of the things I was reminded of is that I can't rely on yesterday's wins. I can't rely on what I did two, three, four, eight years ago. I have to continually pursue. It's an ongoing work. And the thing that we have to understand is that anything worth having is worth the struggle to get it. And that relationship with Jesus and growing in that relationship with him is worth the struggle. It's worth the effort to grow in godliness. And so, leads us to the third truth I want us to see this morning, is that the greatest tool that we have to grow in godliness is the Bible. Is the Word of God. It is the Word of God. We have the greatest tool at our disposal. And there are many great ways to grow in godliness through prayer, through fasting, through giving, through serving. There's so many great ways to, to grow in your relationship with God, in growing in the character of God, but there's nothing better than spending time with Him in His Word. So many times we ask, God, I need you to speak to me. And I, I've talked with people about this many times. We, we always say, like, I want a burning bush moment. Anybody ever said that maybe to yourself? You thought, like, I want the burning bush moment. But listen, think about it for a second. There was only one burning bush. And it only came to one guy. Nobody else has gotten a burning bush. But we have something so great and so beneficial. And so many of us have so many different copies of it. It's the word of God. It's the very words of God to speak to us and to help us know who God is and how he wants us to live and how he wants us to interact with the world and how we can tell others about him to point others to him because it's not about us, it's about him and how God wants us to be in line with him to help others follow and pursue him as well. The greatest tool we have to grow in godliness is the Bible. Paul writes these words in 2 Timothy. The second letter that he wrote to Timothy, he says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. He's saying, Hey, Timothy, remember all the things that I've taught you. Continue all the things to continue on all the things that your mom and, and others have poured into you. What you learned and you believed. You know that those you know those who taught you, and you know that from infancy, from a, a, a young child, 
you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom. Come on. Wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on, he says these words, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness. That's a long list, but it's so good. We don't just go to God's word to get like the helpful word for the day. Sometimes we go to the word and it like hurts. But we need to hurt sometimes because God needs to convict us of our sins sometimes so that we can be in line with his character more and more each day. It's profitable for teaching, rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be complete and equipped for every good work so that we can be equipped not for our own benefit but for the things that God is going to call us to. We are called to pursue him. One of the greatest things that I can uh, that 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 I get sometimes from uh, people that I have the opportunity to to teach and, and preach to is when they come up to me and they talk to me about how they have begun reading the scriptures for themselves and how it's something that they learn from the scriptures. And it's so encouraging. It's so encouraging to hear those stories of uh, and, and and seeing people to kind of take those steps and growing in their walk with Jesus. And just a, a few months ago, there was somebody that came to me and they said, Adam, I took one of your Bible reading plans this past year and I worked my way through it and it was so good and it was so beneficial. It was so encouraging to me. And I want to tell you, there's nothing better than spending time with God in the Word. And I know so many times we start off really strong and we think, oh, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And then life gets busy, right? We all get... You know, something happens. We get sick. The kids get sick. Kids have a crazy schedule. Mom or dad gets sick. I don't know. Whatever it is. Like, we get busy. And we think, oh, okay, I missed this day. And so, like, we try to make up the time that we've missed. I don't know if you've ever been there. That's me. I'm like the guy that goes, I go through the list, right? That's just me. And so I, I, for, for years, I struggled with this because I was like, okay, I, I missed this day, and so now i got to do two days because I missed that day. Well, I missed like four days. Now i got to do four days to count up, to, to make up for that time that I missed with God. And listen, I want to give you a peace of mind. Okay? You don't have to make up for it. Just keep going. Take the day that you're at and keep on going. Because God is much more interested in you hanging out with Him and spending time with Him in comfort than guilt and trying to get through the, the days that you missed. He would much rather you just sit there and read the Scripture and just be with Him and His presence and grow in godliness through that time than to try to make up the days that you missed. And maybe that's a comfort to you today. Maybe, that, maybe I just needed that and just be reminded of that. But the thing is, is that we have the scripture to help us to grow in godliness. And so in the few moments that I have left, I want to just kind of walk our way through uh, some, some ideas and tips to help us to, with our Bible reading, with our, with our Bible reading. So the first thing that I want us to see is this, is that you need to have a plan. You got to have a plan. If you don't have a plan, you're going to fail. Okay, we have to have a plan. The first thing is you got to schedule a time. And I'm not going to tell you when that time is, but you got to schedule a time. I, I'm one of those people that, like, if I don't put it down on my calendar at some point in the day, and you may think, like, Adam, that's too, like, what? I got to do me, okay? Like, you know, 
But the thing is, is that I have to kind of schedule it in because if I don't, I'll be like, I'll do it some other time. I'll, keep, I'll do it later on in the day. I'll do it later on in the day. And, I'll, and if not, I'll miss out. And you have to have that time. I'm not going to tell you when that time should be. You choose that time. What time works best for you? What time works, I've learned works best for me is to get up early in the morning. The kids are still asleep. You know, it's really quiet. My phone's not ringing. Nobody's trying to email me or call me or text me. And I can spend that time with God. And I can be uninterrupted. And it's so important to have that time. You have to choose a time. It doesn't have to be in the morning. It could be when you get to work. It could be at the end of the day. Do what works best for you, but schedule a time. And then find a reading plan. There are many great reading plans uh, out there. There's the Bible app that you can go to. There's a ton of uh, reading plans. We have some reading plans that we've provided uh, at the church. We have some, I think, that are still sitting out here on a, a count, uh, the desk. If you'd like a great reading plan, I, I can direct you in a, a place to go, but you need to choose something that you're going to work your way through the Scripture in a strategic way, because if you just kind of open it up and just kind of read, you, who knows where you might end up. I don't know. But you have to have a, that schedule. I have that reading plan. But the third thing is, is that we have to choose a method. You have to choose a method. See, this is the thing that I want you to understand. Reading the Bible is not just opening up the words and reading words off the page and going... All right, and move on. Okay, it's not a checklist. It's not, not anything like that. It's about spending time with God and hearing from Him and allowing Him to teach you more about Himself and how He wants to work in your life. And so I want to show you three methods that I've seen and used in the, the past to help me and equip me to, to make the best out of my reading time. The first one is this. It's the here, I call it the HEAR method, or it's been called the HEAR method. I didn't create any of these, okay, by the way. It just stands for highlight, explain, apply, and respond. Highlight, you, you work through your passage, you highlight a few, one or two passages that stand out to you. Where, where, where are some things that, man, that was encouraging, or I needed that, or, man, God really worked on me on this one part of the verse. The explain is, you know, you... You take on a piece of paper and you kind of write it in your own words. What is this passage saying in your own words? Because sometimes we read it and we're like, okay, I think I get it. And so we try to write it down. And so you want to understand it kind of maybe sometimes in your own words. Apply it. Ask, what, what is God saying to me in this passage? Does it show me more about who he is? Is he telling me to do something, correct something? What is it that I need to apply? And then the, the last part is to respond to what God has revealed to you in prayer or other, some, some other call to action. Going to somebody and asking them for forgiveness. Taking that step to share with your neighbor. Whatever it may be, we respond to God and what he showed us in our reading time together. The second method that, that we've uh, seen before is called the soak method. I love all these, right? They're like, here, soak, like, chill. You know, soak method. Again, going to God in Scripture, reading the Scripture, starting there. It always starts there. Reading in Scripture. Then observation. What stood out to you from that? Just asking yourself a couple questions. What stood out for me from that Scripture? The application, how does that apply to you? And then the last one, I love this, is that you kneel in prayer and ask God to help you remember those things, to live out those things that day. Because... You, one of the things I've learned in all the years of, of reading Scripture and, and studying Scripture is that sometimes I learn something that I don't need for another year or so. 
But when I go through it a year or so later, I remember back to what God had taught me at that time. And I'd seen his faithfulness and I'd seen him work. And so we ask God uh, in prayer. We kneel in prayer to spend time with him. And the last method is one, uh, it's a Bible study method. This is one that a friend of mine showed me this like 20 years ago. He was a, kind of a mentor to me. He showed me this 20 years ago. And quite honestly, I use this anytime I, I prepare a sermon. This is the method I go to. I use this method to prepare for this message. And I just start with prayer. He always said, before you go to the Word of God, you got to go to the God of the Word. Come on, right? That's good word right there. So you start in prayer. Then you begin to peruse the full passage. Now, he was a guy that always used P's, so he had to use fancy words, right? So you peruse the passage. You understand that full context. Don't just read it once. You read it a couple different times. Read it in a couple different translations. This, the, you know, it just helps me to understand and grasp what God is trying to say in the passage that we're going to look at. Then we find the point of the passage. We... we, we what is the main point or the idea? What's the big idea that God is trying to help us understand in this passage? The passage that we saw today is to grow in godliness. Pursue godliness. Then begin to ponder the passage. Ask questions about what it says about the main idea. What is this passage pointing to about this main idea? What is God trying to say to me? He goes on and he says, you got to particular, particularize the message you focus on the details and ask more questions about the important words. Again, going through, what are the words that stand out to you? Maybe there's words. Sometimes when I read scripture, I'll read it and I'll go, what does that word even mean? And so I have to go look it up in the dictionary. Okay, that's okay. It's okay to do that. Because we want to understand what was, what was the writer trying to help understand. But then we pursue the Lord what does the passage say about God before we personalize the message? What does it mean for me and my life and my relationship with God? You see, I just shared with you three different methods. You can use any of those. You can use one that you've used many times before. But what I want you to understand is that when we go to God's word, again, I said this a moment ago, we don't just read it and say, okay, I read it. We need to come to God's word and ask God, to reveal himself to us through the scripture so that we can live out and we can take on that godly character that he is trying to develop within your life. And so the challenge I have for us today is this, is to make Bible reading a part of your daily walk with God. Make it a daily part of your walk with God. It's easy to like run out the door and say a quick prayer. It's easy to drive down the road and say a prayer. It's easy to, before we walk into the house in the evening uh, to, with our families, to be with our families to say a prayer. It's easy to sit down at a meal and say a prayer. But taking time to really spend time with God and His Word will develop something in you that will last not only for here, but will last for eternity. And parents, I'll say this. The time that you invest in God's word is going to make an investment in your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids. It will last for generations because of the investment that you put into spending time in God's word. As we finish up this morning, I want to read an excerpt from a Welsh pastor named Jeffrey Thomas. 
He wrote a little booklet called Reading the Bible. And I just want to read these words to you because when I read them as I was preparing for the message, it just, man, it's so good. And so I just invite you, don't check it out. I just want, to, I want you to just listen to these words from this Welch pastor. He says, do not expect the master, do not expect to master the Bible in a day or a month or one year. Rather, expect often to be puzzled by its contents. It's not all equally clear. Great men of God often feel like absolute novices when they read the word. The Apostle Peter said that there were some things hard to understand in the epistles of Paul. And I'm glad he wrote those words because I have felt that often. So do not neglect or do not expect always to get an emotional charge or a feeling of quiet peace when you read the Bible. By the grace of God, you may expect that to be a frequent experience, but often you'll get no emotional response at all. Let the word of God break over your heart and mind again and again as the years go by. And imperceptibly, there will come great changes in your attitude and your outlook and conduct. You will probably be the last to recognize these. Often you will feel very, very small because increasingly the Bible or the God of the Bible will become to you wonderfully great. I love these next words. So go on reading it until you can read it no longer. And then you will not need the Bible anymore. Because when your eyes close for the last time in death and never again read the word of God in scripture, you will open them to the word of God in the flesh. The same Jesus of the Bible whom you have known for so long standing before you to take you forever to his eternal home. Amen. Thank you, God, for giving us your word. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you that you loved us enough to give us your word. We thank you that you have called us your sons and daughters. And Father, we just pray and ask today that you will begin to give us a hunger to grow in godliness, to pursue it with all that we have that we wouldn't neglect it, that we would pursue it. And Father, we just ask that not only would we read it, but Lord, we ask that you would convict us of our sins, encourage us when we need encouragement, challenge us when we need to be challenged. Father, we just pray that we would be a people of your word. God, we just pray that from this point forward that we will pursue you and grow in our godliness and the character of you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.